Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Reconstruction Podcast. If you haven't already, go back and listen to some of our previous episodes going over the resurrection. Uh, and as you listen to those, you have you may have some questions that pop up, such as why does the resurrection matter? Why did God, why did Jesus need to be crucified? And that's kind of what led us to the episode we'll be talking about today, covering sin. Um, and primarily, we're, I think we're going to break this up into two parts. And this first part, we're going to cover what is sin and how does it affect us. Uh, Tyler, I know we grew up, you know, going to the same church, uh, primarily getting taught the same things. How did you view sin growing up? So I think as a pastor's kid, I have like, I could give you a religious answer, but I'm just going to speak personally. Um, the way that I thought about it was I automatically thought of it, associated with it with the color black. I have no idea why. Um, I think there was like colors that the children's church presented to me that made it white and black. So black was the sin and white was yeah. other things. Uh, and then I kind of thought of sin as like some sort of disease uh, that you could like a tumor that was on my heart. Um, and then mm. if I, I could somehow physically remove it uh, from inside of me. So that was like childhood me. So that's kind of what I thought. What about you, Tanner? Yeah. Uh, I guess for me growing up, a lot of the teaching surrounded sort of what not to do as a Christian. So sin to me was more of the big things you shouldn't do as a Christian. So we were really, it really was really hammered into us to not cuss, to not get drunk, to not drink alcohol, to uh, listen to your parents. And it, it was essentially this I guess it was like the opposite of a to-do list. It was like a not to-do list. Uh, things that Jesus or God, you know, presented to us via the Bible of these are the things you shouldn't do. And that's what it means to be a Christian. And so I guess it was, it was pretty, I had a very legalistic view as far as what sin was and how it related to me personally. Yep. I also was going to add to that list. Don't see rated R movies. That's not the passion Ooh. of the Christ. Yes. Well, and I, this is kind of getting off topic, but I remember growing up, we had something called the parent guardian on our TV and it substituted all the cuss words <laughs> with like very not relatable words that, and I won't get into all the details of that, but it, let's just say it was very interesting choices as far as what it chose to substitute and what word it used in that place. I forgot about that. Um, that is, that's yeah. <laughs> so uh, to answer kind of now where we're at now. So we kind of touched on what where we were at as far as how we saw sin. Now, I and I did some research obviously going into this episode to sort of see what is a theological sound definition of sin. And 
thankfully the Bible covers it and we don't have to create our own definitions for sin. And 1 John 3, 4, it says sin is lawlessness and sin is essentially a transgression against God's law. And so, uh, you know, how do you think that differs, Tyler? You know, that that sort of definition, how does that differ from what, how you used to view sin? So, uh, again, because sin was kind of this, like, ethereal, abstract concept, uh, I didn't necessarily assume things like it was breaking some sort of law. Um, again, kind of like you already alluded to, it was like, oh, these are rules that my parents have told me that I'm not supposed to do these things. But I never thought of it as like, this is a this is something that God has told us not to do and to go against that is breaking his law. And so I, I also think the other thing that I did not understand is like sin uh, as described in the Bible is like rebellion against him. And so I never, I never put a relational uh, portion of sin to it. Like that I was, I was doing something that was hurting God, offending him. So that never, I guess, occurred to me when I was younger. I thought it was just like, oh, I did something wrong. And God is like weighing out my good and bad. Not that he's personally affected by my sin. So uh, knowing that God is personally affected by my sin is, is different, I guess, than what I used to think. And to kind of touch on, go off that is that we desire sin. We, we want sin that it's it's in within our nature and i'm going to in this next part sort of break down the categories when i was doing research as far as i saw sin broken down into sort of four different categories so uh there's desires actions nature and our relation to god so i think when we primarily think of sin we're thinking of that actual action we're thinking we went uh we went and saw like you said we saw a rated r movie or we uh, said a cuss word or the uh, we we uh slashed someone's tires i don't know we did something crazy it's a very extreme action but even more than that it's the desires in our heart and our longing for sin and i think for me personally that was something growing up it was sort of a behavior modification theology of sin. So if I just stop doing these things, I'll be a better Christian. I'll I'll be a Christian and I'll uh, please God. And I think for me, it was a lot of focus on that behavior modification aspect of being a Christian and not, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, preaching on God's law or that it, it really takes a changing of the heart to produce that behavior modification it, it starts at the root not with the fruit that's a very like christian type thing to say but that it is true it's it's not just uh, exchanging apples for oranges or whatever you want to say about that what when you say fruit what do you mean by that and not as fruit in the way so what i mean is as far as like sin is a root issue the actions are the fruit of that root essentially so the things in your heart usually produce the actions that you that play out so if you have anger in your heart god said that's murder usually if you have anger in your heart you're going to carry out action that are very filled with anger or filled with hatred you're going to do things that and that and that's the fruit 
of the root issue, essentially. So it starts at the heart. I think there's a lot of talk about, uh, you know, God coming into your heart, Jesus coming into your heart. And, but that, how that actually plays out as far as like you, it needs to be a transformation. It's less about you being able to like white knuckle. I know Matt Chandler says a lot like white knuckle Christianity, where you're really just trying hard to not do that thing that you know you shouldn't be doing. Yeah, I think that's really important to understand uh, kind of everything you've already said is just it's a heart issue. Yes, you could fix your actions, but that's not really fixing your heart. It's not fixing the heart of the problem, if you could say that. Um, so, yeah, that's a really good point, And I agree with everything you said. Yeah. And so kind of going off that. So uh, essentially saying, you know, it is it's not just the actions, but it's our inner desires. Us longing. We we want sin. We love sin. That's why we keep doing it. And that essentially, so when we're born, when we're brought into the world, we inherit a sinful nature. And I think that that's something that may not get talked about as much. And I don't feel like growing up more recently, I've, I've, you know, now I've heard preachers talking about that, but growing up, I feel like I wasn't really taught about our nature and how there's something within us that is inherently sinful, that we do things that we know we shouldn't be doing. And the Bible really reflects that over and over and over again, that we do the things we know we shouldn't be doing. Uh, and uh, there's one verse um, that it was, it kind of stuck out to me. It's, it's talking about the flesh and our desires. It's Romans five, eight, uh, chapter eight, verses five through eight. And I'll just read it right here. It says, for the flesh sets its sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh for these are in opposition to one another so that you may know so that you may not do the things that you please for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit for to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to god for it does not submit to god's law indeed it cannot those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That That's something to me, uh, that was the end of the verse. <laughs> I'm not, I was like, oh, I'm, I probably just started talking too soon after yeah. that. Um, that to me is something that really like stuck out to me. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Uh, it's not even necessarily something that's within your control. You can't. You, right. it's, uh, it's, you have to have that regeneration, that rebirth. Sin is something that uh, we desire according to the flesh. When we set our mind on the flesh, we desire those things. When we set our mind on the spirit, we desire what God wants. Um, What are your thoughts kind of on that verse, Tyler? So what stuck out to me is the flesh versus the spirit uh, and the relationship between those two. Um, I guess one Mm. quick kind of context for what this is talking about is that whenever Whenever a person, uh, their heart is regenerated, um, and we, we refer to that as that there's a leading to salvation, which we'll, we will discuss in a later episode, is that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. That is the actual physical act of what is happening. And so if you don't have, and in fact, I think it, there's verses actually that follow this in Romans 8 that say, if you don't have the Spirit of God within you, then you are not a part of God's family. You're not a Christian. Uh, And so there's this idea that we can fix 
our actions and I will be a a Christian, but that's not the actual identifier. The identifier is, do you have the spirit of God inside of you? Mm. That is the, the actual seal that you are no longer living for your sinful desires, Mm. your sin nature. You are living because the spirit is inside of you. One thing that stuck out to me when I was researching this topic was that we, I I saw this quote, I I, I don't know what article was in, excuse me. I said, we don't, our our sin doesn't cause a sinful nature. We sin because of like a sinful nature. So it's not something that we, we obtain, we're not, uh, by sinning, we don't gain a sinful nature. We sin out of a sinful nature. Uh, And, and that to me is like, I think something that I wasn't really taught a whole lot growing up is that this is our default. This is what we are essentially uh, born with, and it really takes a rebirth to get past it. Don't run with scissors. Share your toys. Do your homework. Don't touch that. We are all familiar with the do's and don'ts of childhood, and the traumatic spankings and hand smackings that soon follow. But what happens when that type of discipline begins to form how we view God and our faith? When God becomes a hovering parent waiting to put us in time out rather than a loving father freeing us from our spiritual captivity. If you're like me, often the sermons I heard growing up centered more on what we shouldn't be doing rather than what God had already done. A list of actions we should eliminate from our life rather than an eternal hope in Christ alone. Don't drink alcohol. Don't cuss. Don't watch rated R movies. This is what it meant to be a Christian. But is sin more than just a list of do's and don'ts? And is being a Christian more than abstaining from certain actions? I wanted to kind of get to this this next section as far as like, what are the effects of sin? And uh, one thing that, um, you know, the Bible talks about is that, and kind of what we've alluded to is that sin you know, is death. That when, when, when we're in sin, when we have the sinful nature, we are spiritually dead. And uh, one topic that, it, and Tyler and I might kind of discuss this, uh, the, sort of the different areas of thought in this, is that sin introduced uh, human death into the world. And that's kind of, and I, I don't know if I was really, we really talked about that growing up, but I know over time I've, I've read that and heard that and some interesting things I saw when I was re- researching is that in uh, the Garden of Eden, God told Adam and Eve that they would die on the day that they ate of the tree. And Adam actually ended up living to be 930 years old. So if that's the case, it, it seems to be that God is hinting at a different type of death, which would be a a uh, spiritual death. And, and that death, that spiritual death is the sort of the fracture of the relationship between humans and God. And uh, that's essentially how sin entered the world. And another interesting area that um, talking about sort of that, did death occur before the fall? Um, And the fall meaning the first sin. Uh, Death uh, actually, so it was interesting, and I never really thought about this, is that death within an ecosystem, such as like with animals and plants dying, is actually healthy for the ecosystem. So if death, not just for humans, but for like every living creature didn't exist before uh, the fall, that uh, essentially the Garden of Eden would not be an inhabitable place, that 
insects would have overtaken everything that uh, I, and I don't know all of the intricacies of that argument, but essentially the the biological makeup in that whole area wouldn't be a, a habitable inhabitable place to live. Um, Tyler, I think you may have a different view as far as like the introduction to death. What are your thoughts on all that? So one thing that I think is important to mention here is that these conversations around death, when did it happen? What does it mean? What did God mean when he said it? It's kind of be, the reason I see it happening a lot is because people are trying to merge what they see in science with what they read in the Bible. So they're trying to merge these two concepts together to try to make sense of, okay, well, if this is true, if God said this, then we have the scientific record over here. So what does that mean? And oftentimes people try to say, well, those two things don't, uh, they can't combine with each other. You can't have science and you can't combine that with what's written in the Bible. You have to either believe in science or you have to believe in the Bible. In this instance, I think that there is a way to find uh, truth in both. Um, I'm not exactly sure what that is, to be honest with you. The theories that I have heard is that when God said, you will surely die on the day of you eat of the tree, is that humans were intended to live forever. There wasn't ever supposed to be an end to their life. And so when God said, you will surely die, it wasn't saying you will surely drop dead. It is you will surely die, meaning I did not intend for that to happen. To Tanner's point, yes, it could also mean spiritual death too. Um, so again, that's that's one thing that I have heard. The other thing about death, another question that usually comes up is, well, we know that animals and things like that died. So what did God mean? Did sin bring death to everybody? Well, we don't know the answer. But again, a theory has been presented where God was just referring to humans that there was, he was not referring to death by other animals or anything like that. He was saying, my intention was for these humans to live forever. Um, but the animals and all of that, because even in the Garden of Eden, they had to eat something. And so in the theory, they were killing animals or killing plants to eat. Um, right. So... Again, I don't know if there's ever going to be an answer that everyone says, oh, this is the right answer. So you can differ along the, I mean, Tanner and I probably differ in that, uh, where we don't agree necessarily eye to eye on what that means. Yeah. And I, and I think it's also important to note that this is a secondary issue. I think this, this specific area of, of topic can really branch out where you can look at various views, age of earth, were there animals or even types of humans before Adam and Eve and were uh, and that's where this conversation can really branch out but these are all secondary issues these aren't primary issues and so I think that's one thing that's important to to note this is something that we're probably not going to touch a lot on more in this episode but if you are interested in hearing more about this we can definitely uh, you know create more space for that as, as in another episode so just let us know but I think the important thing to note is that at least there is a some re relevant um, spiritual death introduced, a separation between God and humans, and there is a fracture, and that's where there's this sinful nature introduced into the world to humans. And um, so I think that's this one thing to kind of close off that um, you know part of the conversation. Um, and and so moving forward, um, you know, one thing just talking about how this affects 
you know, how sin affects us and impacts us directly. Uh, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier is that this sinful nature introduced into our lives really creates this like inner struggle in, in our hearts. And I know personally, I've dealt with this and the Bible attests to it perfectly. Romans seven, uh, chapter seven, verses, uh, verse 15 says, for I do not understand my own actions for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. And I think even, I think even if you're not a Christian, there are certain things that you probably have done that really resonates with this verse and how, you know, there are a lot of times you'll do something and then the next day you regret it. And there's, there's this inner struggle in the moment. Yes, I want this. And then the very next moment, I know that I didn't really want that in the long run. Do you find that struggle, Tyler? Yeah. So specifically, I would, this verse relates to my anxiety or my obsessive nature. Um, I tend to, in my thoughts, just run uh, to uh, just things that I shouldn't run to. I'm trying in the sin is I'm trying to control my life. So by trying to look up WebMD, I'm trying to control my own circumstances. Instead of saying, God, this is in your hands, I'm again trying to control my own circumstances. Um, and so that would be one area. But the other area that I would say is like, uh, I'll just be honest. Uh, I was having a conversation this week and uh, I just told a little white lie. And I was like, what was the purpose of that lie? <laughs> I don't even know why yeah. I did it. Um, it didn't do anything for the conversation. And and mm -hmm. so I realized I just I felt this this weight afterwards of like I had gone away that God that God was hurt by. So that that's just mm -hmm. being, being honest. Yeah. And I think the, the important thing to note, why, why does sin matter? Like what, how does it really impact your day-to-day -day life? And I think sometimes it's hard to see that. So in the moment, seeing one action, like a little white lie may not seem like a really that big of a deal. But, but for, you know, one thing I think sin does is that it sort of plants a seed and that seed can spread like wildfire and create fractures and maybe just tiny little fractures over time that become these like massive um, valleys. And and that's where really it's it's hard to see what the day to day, what how sin really impacts your life as like overarching all you know the whole thing and I, th I think that's for me is like it's less about those just like tiny moments and it's it's that bigger picture how is sin affecting not just you but your relationships to your close your closest friends and family and then from there your the the generations come from your family how can that generational almost like a generational sin where it, it's passed on and it can fracture and ruin you know your relationships and, and the most important things in your life. And uh, one thing uh, this, and we'll, um, this will be sort of the last quote uh, and then um, we'll, we'll do a part two, but this was something that really, I thought sort of encapsulate the inner struggle and the impact of sin on you personally. This is by Tim Keller. Um, this is the quote it says, 
Every one of our sinful actions has a suicidal power on the faculties that put that action forth. When you sin with the mind, that sin shrivels the rationality. When you sin with the heart or the emotion, emotions, that sin shrivels the emotions. When you sin with the will, that sin destroys and dissolves your willpower and your self-control. Sin is the suicidal action of the self against itself. Sin destroys freedom because sin is an enslaving power. Uh, and I think that's a great way to kind of view and sort mm-hmm. of close off this episode is, again, it's not something, sin is in the moment, in in that instant gratification that you're looking for, it doesn't seem that monumental. Uh, and that's, that's, I think, the most deceiving part of sin is that it's, it's a uh, thing that builds up over time and eventually um, can be something that, you know, utterly destroys your life. Um, do you have any kind of closing thoughts, Tyler, on this first part of sin? Sure. I think one thing just to clarify as we're talking about sin building up, again, that doesn't take away from your sin nature. You know, you were born in a sin nature. So us saying that sin is building up, that doesn't mean that at some point you were neutral and you had no sin mm. in your life. That just means mm-hmm. what we're trying to say is that one small action can lead to bigger yeah. actions or more grotesque thoughts or more grotesque mm-hmm. desires. Um, but still, your sinning, your actions that you're showing is not the um, the problem. That is a symptom of the problem. And so mm-hmm. when we talk about building up, we're talking about things that will affect not only yourself, but others around you. Yeah. Yeah, great point. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, next part two of, of sin, we're going to cover why does sin exist and how should we, how do we view sin and how should we view sin? Thanks for listening.